Thank you very much for listening to the Morning KLH. Dave and Doreen, along with Marcus, time to welcome our Green and Gold Insider, three-time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, and of course, co-host of Wilde and Tausch on ESPN Radio, Jason Wilde to the broadcast. Good morning, Jason. How you doing? Good morning, everyone. I'm very, very good. How are you guys? We're doing. Oh, okay. We're doing well. Oh, it's it still stings, but I, I have my my first question is about something that we all heard on the telecast of the game, and that is when Tom Rinaldi, who I think does a pretty good job. I like him. I like him, too. When he came on and said, quote, when we talked to the coach, Matt LaFleur, about this, he basically said, when Carlson goes out there, quote, I just pray. Were you surprised that Matt LaFleur would say something like that on the record? Uh, Yeah, and the problem is is that it's not supposed to be on the record. So when they do these production meetings, which they've been doing forever. It's it basically before every game, both teams have their coach and a couple of players talk to the broadcast team. And it's meant to be background. It's meant to be stuff that you can augment the telecast with in terms of inside information so you can understand kind of why they're doing stuff and whatever else. Buck and Aikman do it. They all do it. And so for LaFleur to say that, now I, I suppose to some degree he is still at fault because he did use that phrase, but we all agree, this is why you're asking me about it, mm-hmm. how terrible that sounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you're praying when a guy goes out there to kick, then he probably shouldn't be the guy kicking for you. Yeah. Um, and so I was really surprised by that. Uh, I thought right away, oh, LaFleur's going to be pissed when he hears that that was on the air. Um, And I thought it was just really surprising because, as Marcus just said, I think Tom Rinaldi's fantastic. He's at ESPN for a long time before this. But I feel like he should know better that, you know, you could certainly couch that by saying something to the effect of, you know, Andres Carlson has been inconsistent all season. He's missed a kick in. 10 of the last 12 games. He's, the coaches feel really good about the fact that every time he misses, he makes the next kick. He hasn't missed back-to-back kicks all season, but there's a feeling on that sideline that when Anders Carlson goes out there, they're just praying that he puts it through the upright. Okay. And you see the subtle difference mm-hmm. there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and so I, I would imagine, and I haven't talked to anybody with the organization yet, but I would imagine that... Uh, there is uh, some irritation with the Fox folks that that was presented the way it was. All right, lots of missed opportunities, but how much of this is Jordan Love's inexperience, or is it just the whole young team's inexperience? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound like Matt LaFleur, but, you know, this was game 19 of their season. They're not young anymore. Yeah. Uh, and, and as he put it way back after the Vikings loss on October 29th, I'm done playing the young guys game. But the fact of the matter is, is that they lost largely because Jordan Love did something that we hadn't seen him do in a really long time. And that was make a egregious mistake. You, you heard him after the game call it a mortal sin. Mm-hmm. And Tom Clements, the longtime quarterbacks coach who coached Favre, coached Rodgers, now is coaching Love, who LaFleur is hoping at age 70 will not retire and will come back for another season. Um, has three mortal sins. No blind throws, number one. Two, 
no predetermined throws. You have to go through your progressions and read where the ball should go. Don't just decide, all right, I'm throwing it to this guy before you even snap the ball. And three, never, ever, ever, ever late over the middle. And that's exactly what Jordan Love did. In the three defenders who were surrounding Christian Watson, it was a horrible decision. He knows it was a horrible decision. He admitted it was a horrible decision. And the reason why it's so surprising is because he had played so well in the previous nine games and for most of the game on Saturday night, but that's not what we've come to expect from him, even though it was his first year starting. So those are the kinds of mistakes that a first year starter makes. It's just that this first year starter played during the second half of the season so high above that expectation that when he did it in the game on Saturday night, we were shocked. So as we start thinking about how ways to improve this team for next year, other than kicker, where's the biggest need for talent? Well, Marcus, I think it's a very simple thing. You know, basically you just have to have as good of a draft on the defensive <laughs> side of the ball as you had on the offensive side of the ball this year. And, and that's easy, right? I mean, oh, man. You get Luke Musgrave and Tucker Kraft and Don right. Tavion Wicks and Jaden Reed all in one draft. I mean, come on, easy peasy. Was this the best? Um, would you say this is the best rookie class since you've been covering the team? Um, so there's a couple of other rookie classes, including, you know, and, and I, I know Tausch appreciates it when I promote uh, what a great player he was because he was. Um, but that 2000 class, you know, uh, they had different positions, so it wasn't as obvious the production as it is with two tight ends and two wide receivers who had really good years this year. But, you know, Tausch was a seventh-round pick. Chad Clifton, who became a franchise left tackle and one of, was one of the best left tackles of his era throughout the league, was the second-round pick. Uh, Niall Diggs, who was a really good linebacker for them for a really long time, was a fourth-round pick. So that was a really good class, too. Bubba Franks was the first-round pick, and he went to three Pro Bowls as a tight end. So, that was a really good draft class. It was really Ron Wolf's final draft class of him making all the picks himself because uh, he had announced his retirement before the, 20, the 2001 draft, which was a train wreck, by the way. But it was it. Look, from rookie production, it was fantastic. But as Matt Lafleur said, uh, they have to have a championship off season because they're not going to have this low expectations mm-hmm. that we had for them this year. And they're going to have to rise to that. So those rookies, they're going to have to have really good off seasons to improve because the year one to year two jump is supposed to happen. And I didn't think we saw it with Quay Walker significantly. I didn't think we saw it with Devontae Wyatt significantly from last year's draft class. So that's a big deal. But to Marcus's question, I mean, I really do think that they did a great, great job and Goody did a great job of replenishing the cupboard of skill position guys on offense. They, they now have, you know, they need some safety help for sure. They, I think they're going to move on from Darnell Savage. Um, they have to figure out what they're going to do with inside linebacker because, you know, for much of the season, Devondre Campbell was either a non-factor or he was injured. And do you keep paying him or do you move on from him? Uh, they do have to figure out their offensive line. Do they think that Rasheed Walker is a long-term answer at left tackle after what he did after Bakhtiari went down? I know they love Zach Tom, so they feel really good at right tackle, but there's some other questions on that side of the ball, too. But, you know, they invested a draft pick in Anders Carlson. They're not going to give up on him. My only issue with that is that I believe that all young kickers, not all, I guess, because 
the 49ers have a young kicker and other teams do as well, but they all have growing pains. Packers knew what they were getting into, and they dismissed the idea when Bill Huber from Sports Illustrated asked if they should sign a veteran kicker going into the 49ers game. And no, Anders is our guy. And not to be whatever, because I know we weren't expecting them to even be in that position, but they might be playing, you know, in Detroit for a trip to the Super Bowl next Sunday if they had had uh, the right kicker instead of a young guy who missed a lot of kicks this year. You you were talking about the defenses. Joe Barry, I would assume, is coming back. There have been no overtures. I mean, ever since Matt LaFleur kind of decided he was sticking with Joe Barry, Barry's kind of turned it around. I think LaFleur has been a little more active in helping out the defense, and I'm assuming he's coming back next year. Um, Going into the game on Saturday night, um, he said, I couldn't be happier with Joe Barry in the defense uh, after the game, even though they gave up the game-winning drive, which I thought was weird to say this, but he said he thought the defense was fantastic, which, again, that's a really good offense. They did lose Debo Samuel early in the game, who's a really, really good player. But, yeah, they they were good. They definitely were good defensively. They kept them in it the whole time. But when the money's on the table and you give up a 12-play, 69-yard touchdown drive and lose the game. I mean, look, every phase contributed to them losing, right? Mm-hmm. Special teams with Anders Carlson's miss. Offense with Jordan Love throwing two interceptions after only throwing one pick in the previous nine games. But the defense, still, they had the lead, 21-17, to with six minutes left, and they didn't get the job done. So, I don't know. I'm eager to see how Matt LaFleur answers that question, but no, it would appear uh, that Joe Barry saved his job. We've seen the future with this team of what can be, and that includes the improvement of the offensive line. Will David Bakhtiari be part of that future moving forward? Yeah, that's another really good question. I mean, I don't, you know, I haven't seen David. Um, I know after he tweeted something that, that kind of let us all know he had had his surgery. I texted him and, and I said, you know, I hope your recovery is going well and looking forward to catching up with you when you're back. And he said, yeah, I'll see you in December. And then we never saw him in December. Now, he did come back because uh, we saw him with the team briefly, he posted something on, like, Instagram where he was sitting at practice watching. But I have no idea where he is in his recovery. I don't know what his expectations are for being ready for the season. Uh, they obviously have to, if he is going to be back, they have to rework his contract, which means they probably would be guaranteeing him money, um, which uh, given his track record, I don't know how you feel about that. So uh, that is another one of the myriad of questions uh, that they're facing. But again, you know, no one, I, I, I will maintain that Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst, even if they won't admit it, they didn't see this coming either. Because if they thought they were going to be playing for a berth in the NFC Championship game, I'm sorry, I don't believe Goody trades Rasul Douglas to Buffalo. Uh, they, had, they were 2-5 and five at the time. They just got booed off the field against the Vikings on October 29th, and two days later he makes that trade. So uh, they didn't see this coming. This is a good problem to have, figuring out how you make the jump now as opposed to figuring out, okay, we went 6-11. and 11. We think our quarterback is good enough to be the guy, but we still have to figure that out. Because uh, remember, the other thing they're probably going to have to do, almost certainly going to have to do this offseason, is pay Jordan Love. And it's going to be a pretty big number. What do you think? Like $50 yeah. million a year? 
I I think it's got to be somewhere north of what the Giants played paid Daniel Jones, which has turned out to be a colossal mistake, of course. Um, I think Jordan Love has done far more to prove that he's up to that task than Daniel Jones had when he got four years, $160 million. Yeah. But it's got to be somewhere between 41 and 50, I would think, for, for Jordan mm-hmm. Love. Maybe more on average, but a lot of guaranteed money and a lot of faith because he certainly earned it with the exception of a couple of throws against the 49ers. And nice words from Brett Favre saying, lots to be excited about. Jordan, keep your chin up because I believe you can be the best Packer quarterback yet. Do you think Favre was having flashbacks at that interception at oh, the end? Like, hey, sure. that's a throw I would have made. Yeah. That was. I think it was the throw he made for the Vikings uh, with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line, if you remember, in 2009 mm-hmm. in New Orleans. Right. Um, I, I, I don't uh, – I'll be honest with you. Who, who knows what Brett Favre has to say these days? I mean, he suggested that Taylor Swift was making a money grab and trying to be relevant by dating – Travis Kelsey, so he apparently does not quite understand just how popular Taylor yeah. Swift is. So he, I would love for him. I, I never agreed with what my parents used to say about children should be seen and not heard. I think kids should have a voice, and I try to treat our girls with that in mind. But I think Brett Favre is at a point where he should neither be seen nor heard. Okay, there you go. Thank you, my uh, friend. Appreciate the insight. We'll talk a little later in the week about the big championship games coming up this weekend. Was great, everybody. Take care. Be good. You too. Jason Wildey, our Green and Gold Insider, co-host of William Tausch on ESPN, three-time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, and brought to you by Mr. Holland's Home Services. Call them at 866-992-1717 or mrhollandshomeservices.com. And also brought to you by DJ's Transmissions and Milwaukee Muscle Cars and Restoration. Buying vintage rides and muscle cars. Visit DJ's Transmissions.com. Jason Wildey, part of the morning KLH.